When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. And we've got a fun one today. Our weekly Friday show here with Jack Hammer. Jack, how you doing, man? I'm good. How you doing, Rohan? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, enjoying my spring break here back in California for the week. So it's a, it's a fun time. And I mean, it coincides right with free agency. So been getting to see all these free agent signings, the 49ers making a couple moves, you know, some big names, and then obviously some interesting names like Sam Darnold. Yeah, the, the Darnold signing, uh, it, it was an interesting one. I, I, we weren't surprised. The foreigners, we knew they were going to go sign a quarterback in free agency. I, I was a little surprised that it happened uh, right away. Right. Um, surprised by a little bit that it was Sam Darnold. That wasn't one of the names that I was uh, thinking that they would go after. Um, and then you look at the contract, and it makes it even a little bit more of a surprise the way that they structured that. So uh, overall, it, it definitely – has been a interesting start to free agency for the 49ers. And you talk about the surprise. So let's start there. Sam Darnold, the 49ers signed him. What do you, what was kind of like the reaction when you talk about that surprise? What do you, were you more surprised in Sam Darnold's sense or the 49ers sense and how, or how the way that it was handled? Um, I was surprised. The one reason I was, I was surprised by the fact that it was Darnold. I just didn't think that he'd be on their radar. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been. I should have thought he. I should have known he would be, considering they were. There were a lot of. There were a lot of rumors back in 2021 that Darnold was the guy that the Fournier's would be interested in, uh, prior to the trade up to, in the draft that year, because the Fournier's everybody kind of felt like 2021 was going to be a new quarterback here for the 49ers, and Darnold was one of the names that was mentioned then. So shouldn't have been surprised by it. Um, the contract when it first came out, you know, three and a half million you know, guaranteed four and a half million. And then eh, that wasn't a whole lot. But then when you start to hear the upside of 11 points, 11.5, um, that's when it's like, hmm, what's going on here? Why is there this much upside? So uh, I think that's kind of what what piqued my interest. And then you start to kind of dig into Sam Darnold a little bit. And I had done a film review with Grant Cohn back in 2021 over on his channel on Darnold. That was because, once again, he was expected to possibly be a, an option for the foreigners. And I think that I know myself, I think we both came walking away from that with saying, mm, I don't know about Sam Darnold, but uh, even more so, I know we both came away from saying, holy crap, what the hell are the New York Jets doing in, in that offense? That's awful. So you kind of start to put all those things together and uh, makes this maybe a little bit more of an intriguing decision than would have other thought would have thought otherwise. I agree. I mean, if I'm being honest, my initial reaction was more so surprised on Sam Donald's behalf. I thought it was a good signing by the 49ers, and we'll get to that why. But I was surprised Darnold chose to sign so quickly with the understanding, not the understanding, but understanding the quarterback situation. Obviously, he's going to be given a chance to compete. You, you, We, we know that. He's going to be given a chance to compete, but it was also understanding how clouded the situation is that he could potentially be the third quarterback on this roster. And the upside is certainly there, but I don't think the 49ers envision him likely hitting that upside at the moment. Now, could he hit the upside? Absolutely. If he proves to be the best quarterback on the roster, if injuries occur, he could be. And we'll get to that. But I, I was more so surprised on Darnold's sense that he chose to sign with the 49ers on the first day, especially with potential starting roles like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington Commanders available where the money um, you know, it, it was interesting with the money for sure, where you might've gotten a little more base, probably a little less on the upside kind of category, but I was more so surprised on Donald's behalf that he chose to sign with the 49ers immediately 
But he did talk about the his respect for the 49ers and what he was looking for in the intro press conference. And so seems like it's a good fit. Yeah, I, I I think his number is right around the same thing that Tampa Bay gave to Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield gave him almost the exact same contract in Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield is going to have a chance to compete for the starting job out there. Not necessarily going to be the starter. They they like the quarterback they have there already. So there's going to be a competition in, in Tampa. I don't think Sam Darnold takes this deal if he thinks he's going to be the third string quarterback. And I think that that's fair. I mean, I think that that's fair. And let's get into it because this is a it's it's an interesting signing because of Sam Darnold and the way that he is right now. He's a 25 year old quarterback with 55 career starts. And he played some good football toward the end of the year, not like starting like high starting caliber football, but he was a low end starter at the end of the year. And I thought he, you know, he had a he had a fine finish to the year as the starter there. Is this a is this signing a hedge on either of the 49ers quarterbacks right now? How do you view this signing? It's one hundred percent a hedge. There's no doubt about this being a hedge. I, I don't I don't think you can look at this situation and think that it's that it's not. You, you've got. You have a quarterback right now who can't throw in Brock Purdy. We don't know what his exact timeline is. I think the 49ers have a better idea, but even they don't know for sure. And Trey Lance is coming off of an injury himself. So where is he going to be in terms of that ankle injury? And beyond that, the 49ers haven't been able to keep a quarterback healthy. Trey Lance hasn't been able to stay healthy in, in the two years that he's been with the 49ers. Um, Brock Purdy now has the injury that that sidelined him with the with the arm, which is a freak deal, but it still happens. Even the the broken ankle for Lance is kind of a freak deal. But they they absolutely this the signing is a hedge, and whether you want to call it an insurance hedge or you want to call it a competition hedge, it's a hedge. That that's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree. Here's the way that I look at this signing. When you talk about the 49ers and getting Sam Darnold, do I think this is an indictment on either quarterback? Not necessarily. Do I think it's a hedge? Yeah, I do. When I look at this signing, I don't think this deviates from the 49ers' initial plan going into the offseason. John Lynch has been very forthcoming. The 49ers are going to require another quarterback on this roster that's going to back up. Why? Brock Purdy is not going to play in the in, in OTAs, likely won't play in training camp with his timeline, which means you need somebody at least to back up Trey Lance. And I thought it was important that the 49ers provide Trey Lance some competition. That was something that wasn't necessarily there last offseason. I thought it's important, especially to because this is an offseason where Trey Lance likely enters the season as quarterback one, understanding the 49ers situation at the moment. But to understand whether Trey Lance is your guy or not, you have to you have to see what he is what he's about in the offseason. I think competition is the best way to prove that. If Sam Darnold beats Trey Lance out, he is not your guy. Trey Lance won't be the guy for the future. Now, if Trey Lance beats Sam Darnold out, you know what Sam Darnold already is. You know what Trey Lance can be, and that provides you some clearer insight on whether Trey Lance can be your guy for the future or not. Now, again, this is all practice. This isn't real game situations, but you're trying to figure out what the best situation is. Then again. You don't know Brock Purdy's timeline at the moment. Is he going to be ready week one? Is he is is there going to be a complication in his recovery that potentially pushes his timeline back to November or December? You don't know that. And so in reality, you are going to need a backup quarterback who might slide to QB3, who might become QB2 and out, uh, beat one of the two guys out. You, you, you do need a backup quarterback, and the 49ers, they've been pretty forthcoming that they were going to go out and get one beat in the draft or free agency, likely earn free agency with the established options. And so that's what it is with Sam Darnold. Right now, I don't anticipate the 49ers thinking that Sam Darnold's going to hit the incentives in his deal. But as we saw last year, you never know with the 49ers and their quarterback injuries who, uh, who might be injured, who might step out on the field. And so there is considerable upside, which I think is what uh, incentivized Sam Donald to make this deal, as well as the competition to potentially prove that he can be the backup if uh, if he he's there. I think he's there to compete. I don't think that he uh, I don't think that he's necessarily given any job. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think he's there to compete. And so I think it's going to be I think this situation is good for the 49ers. They placed a three point nine million dollar bet understanding that they have some uh they they have some pretty much insurance for either of their two quarterbacks and there is upside on both sides should that need to be happening yeah i i like what you said i i 
I'm not sure. This is a competition. I don't. I've, I've seen some people really bristle at that. I, I don't. I don't understand uh, why anybody would bristle at the thought of Trey Lance having to compete with 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 Sam Darnold. And and I apologize if I'm offending anybody, but I just don't understand why this is even why it even is creates a controversy. To be honest with you, if Trey Lance is the guy that you believe he is, why are you worried about Sam Darnold? Exactly. It, it doesn't matter. That's Sam Darnold. If you're concerned about Sam Darnold, then that's 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 you know that's on you. But this is the 49ers, I think, are doing the right thing here. It's an interesting one here. You mentioned the incentives. Let me mention one piece on the incentives. You probably already know this because you pay attention to all this stuff too. Part of the incentives for uh, Trey for Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, are game checks, and those are likely to be in earned incentives. Correct. Well, the 49ers in his salary cap hit for 2023 have included seven games of cap hits up front. So they expect him to be um, active on the active roster for seven games. Now, is that an indication of Brock Purdy's timeline or is that just an indication of, you know, the fact that there's going to be a competition and maybe it's going to be trailing. I don't know, but that's one of the things that they built in and most teams do that. So it's, and it's a smart way to kind of, you know, calculate for some of it beyond that. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this, this plays out. I, Sam Darnold was taken the number three in 2018. Brock, you know, Trey Lance was taken number three in 2021. You have two guys that were taken number three overall in their draft class. You have two quarterbacks who, if you watch them play so far, if you turn on their film, they are very similar quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You see some really good things and you see some things that really aren't mm-hmm. good. And so they're very similar from that standpoint as well. And, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. Sam Darnold has not played with anybody that he has not had a coach close to Cal Shannon in his career yet. Right. That's just, the facts. The, you, Adam, there's a reason why Adam Gase is out of the league. There's a reason why Joe Brady is no longer an offensive coordinator. There's a reason why Matt rules out of the NFL. And it's not because Sam Darnold is bad. It's because they're not good NFL coaches. Right. On top of that, I'm going to just say this also. Throughout the last portion of the year, one thing that people that were very pro Trey Lance would tell you when it came to Brock Purdy's performance, if you compared the two, was you can't compare them because Trey Lance hasn't played with Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. He hasn't done this and that. And then there's all kinds of excuses. Well, Sam Darnold's never played with Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk while having uh, Kyle Shanahan call the plays. So if you're if you're dismissing if you think Brock Purdy is going to be, if you think Trey Lance is going to be better because just because of who he's playing with, isn't it safe to reason that Sam Darnold might be better too? I think so. And I know we've had differing thoughts uh, on the quarterback situation. And I've been a guy who has been, I'm not going to say pro Trey Lance, but I've been, um, I, th- I think he has good upside. I, I do think he has high potential uh, based on the film mm-hmm. that I've seen from his collegiate career. Now, have I, I? I'm pretty forthcoming that he is a raw product. He is absolutely a raw product because he hasn't seen the field. Is that his fault? He's gotten injured, and I mean, his first year, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, obviously, I mean, he got injured in the preseason. Jimmy Garoppolo ended up being the starter. We've seen how that goes out. And to me, I think this is absolutely the best situation for Trey Lance. I honestly think Trey Lance would agree. When you when he went on to the Rich Eisen show earlier this year, what did he say? All I want is a competition. He's the one embracing the competition himself, understanding that it's going to get him better. And really, it helps the 49ers too. Because the only way you're going to see if Trey Lance can truly be a franchise quarterback is to see if he can beat out other people. And I I think that that's the way to push him, right? Uh, Coming off an injury, um, getting that confidence back. Because Trey Lance is going to be given the opportunity this offseason. We all know it because he's the one that's healthy of the two quarterbacks. He's going to give and be given the chance, and he, in my opinion, right now is the day one starter just because Brock Purdy doesn't seem like will be healthy and integrated into practice, and Sam Donald's the new uh, the, the incoming guy. But 
I think you've got to embrace this as if it's a competition, and I think that that's important. Now, I think it's interesting you bring up the seven games because that got me thinking a little more of how they expect Sam Donald to be active for seven games. I do wonder whether they do – whether they um, – and this comment's actually interesting. I do wonder whether they think that Brock Purdy starts the year – I don't know if it will be on PUP, but he might start the year on IR um, uh, for the first four – games to get him back acclimated again this is a hunch nobody knows at this point you're only going to figure it out when Brock Purdy is coming back after that three months and then building back up into three months but who knows it it could be it could be uh you know that situation where Brock Purdy might not uh, be ready week one and this is in a way 49ers spending what four hundred thousand dollars five hundred thousand dollars uh in the in salary cap to ensure that they have some uh they have a backup in case that that uh that situation happens so i think i like the upside for the 49ers because i don't expect donald to start this year but they have insurance and that's something that so many fans have really gone against the organization for in the past for not having the insurance well they've got it and uh so i think that this is a solid move yeah no i i agree with you i i think it's a solid move uh i like a lot of what you're saying Again, I, you look at the 49ers are in the situation where they have three quarterbacks on their roster right now. Kind of, we've well said, you know, two guys were taken number three in their draft class and a guy that was taken in the seventh round who outperformed both of them when he got a chance. And they have, they, they go into this, this season with those three guys taking up a total of just over 14 million in cap space. And on top of that, they're not in deep with any of these guys. When it comes to salary moving forward, if if Trey Lance doesn't fulfill that potential that you talked about, because we both, it's clear you're you're, you're blind if you don't see potential in Trey Lance, right? Exactly. You're blind if you don't see the potential in it. Now, but the, but potential is different than what the floor is. What actually than what than what you actually put on the field, right? There's there's potential where you can. You can see it. It's right there. There's a really nice play, but the next couple, you know, it's, but that stuff needs to be consistent and he needs to be able to play to show that. And he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And so we don't know who Trey Lance, nobody knows who Trey Lance is right now at all. I agree. And, and he needs a chance to play. He needs a chance to compete. Totally agree with that. We're going to see what Darnold is in terms of Brock Purdy. We don't know. Hey, maybe he's Nick Mullins. Maybe he's back in time for training camp. Maybe he's, you know, he's going to be in San Francisco in Santa Clara. He's going to be working directly with the 49ers strength and conditioning staff during his throwing program. He's going, they're going to be monitoring closely. So it's not like he's going to show up whenever he's finally ready to play. And they're going to be like, Hey, Brock, can you throw the ball? They're going to know all this stuff already. Right. By the time that, that they get to that, because he's going to start throwing somewhere around three months. Could be a, Again, Nick Mullins was a little bit ahead of that. He was ahead of the curve the whole way through. You just that's the one thing with this. We don't know what's going to happen for sure. But when you look at the at the two most recent UCL injuries that I'm aware of in Jake DeLome and Brock Purdy, guys that actually had to go through the surgery, Purdy or, or uh, Nick Mullins, right? Excuse me, Nick Mullins. Yeah. Mullins had the internal brace done. He was cleared five months after surgery. And then we know the other one, Jake DeLome, he had the full Tommy John. He was cleared seven months. So it's just fo- different in football. We'll see what, how the player's body reacts. And it, it, he might even be back sooner. He might be back later. But whether, regardless, the foreigners are in a really good position here because they have two guys that are going to, I think, compete their asses off. I know I know the question was asked yesterday. They were trying to bait Sam Darnold to say that he was told he was going right. to uh, compete. I think he wants to compete. I think he's expecting the competition. He did say that he's ready to do whatever it takes, whether it means sitting on the bench as the backup or starting, right? So he he's going to be that he's he is there to try to push everybody and if he can win the job, he wants to win it. And if you walked away from that press conference, I know he didn't out, just outright say I'm going to compete for the starting job. If you aren't reading between the lines, I I think you're missing it here. No, I agree. I do agree. And when you talk about the situation, I went on the Ryan Hensley show this morning and I said this. Right now, the 49ers, with their quarterback situation, they're hedging their bets on Trey Lance 
and his potential. But they've also got the understanding that when you look at the way that they're structuring contracts, they're essentially going all in. They're pushing their chips this year because when you look at next year, that's where there's a significant spike in several of the salaries or the, the cap hits of contracts. Javon Hargrave goes from $6 million to $15 million. Armstead goes to $28 million. Debo Samuel makes $28 million next year. Uh, really, all the six, seven major contracts that the 49ers have, there's a significant amount of money being pushed towards them next offseason in terms of cap hits. Not the cash, but cap hits. And I think that the 49ers understand that, meaning they've got to they've win this year. And potential is a good word, but the only thing that's important right now in winning this year is the floor. And so what they're betting on isn't Trey Lance's potential, but his floor in week 18, which should be undoubtedly higher than his floor in week one if he continues to progress throughout the season as his potential indicates that he can. But again, it's what happens week 18, whatever the quarterback it is week 18, because the 49ers with their roster are going to make the playoffs regardless of who plays at quarterback. I think I can, I think I can be confident that even if Sam Darnold is the quarterback for the 49ers this year, they could make the playoffs as a wild card team because of how their team is constructed and because of how the 49ers have played. It, it might be tougher, but I think that they can make the playoffs in that regard. It's whatever quarterback can really get you there with their floor in week 18. And that's what they're betting on in Trey Lance. Yeah. And we'll see, we'll see how it works out. I, I, I do think that they're, they're, they're pushing as hard as they can to have the best team on the field. I, I don't, I don't know if I buy into that. It's a, they're all in on this season and I get the cap hits that you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure if we went back and we looked at those cap hits, right. like it, Eric Armstead's a tougher one because of his age. But I, I bet you if you look at like the cap hit of uh, Debo Samuel, for example, uh, that's set up and it's probably right for a restructure. That's one of the things the 49ers do, right? Yeah. It's You see it even in the J- J- Javon, Hargrave, Javon Hargraves contract. They they do these deals and they set them up. They usually don't have to go super high on their on their bonuses. Um, and it's, it's a lot of the money is built into salary and they give themselves a really good cushion between salary and, and, um, and bonus money. And then that's when that's how they restructure. We saw them do that, right? And they did that. The, you know, the Alden move this year was was Fred Warner. That was a big one because that really pushes his numbers. Right. And they, they have some wiggle room down the road, but um, that's going to be a tough one to do. And then even the one they did for uh, Traverius Ward, that one's a curious one because didn't look like they added years to it. It looked like all they did was add dead money um, at the end of, of 2024. So, you know, we'll see if he, he gets restructured next year or what happens there as well. So there's there's all kinds of movement there, but. Again, in terms of this quarterback thing, it's it's going to be. I cannot wait for these guys to hit the field because it's going to be a competition, and whether they tell you it or not, remember, go back to twenty twenty one. They said that it wasn't a quarterback competition in Trey Lance's first year with Jimmy Garoppolo. It right? Was. They told you there wasn't going to be a quarterback competition. One of the things that they also said is that they didn't think that Lance would be able to beat out Garoppolo. You know that I think that's part of what they were doing. Um, and that whole thing goes through and 2022 during training camp, you have Kyle Shanahan given an interview to Albert Beer talking about how Trey Lance was doing a really good job of competing. Well, he, was it a competition or not? It was a competition. And there was a point in that, in that training camp where they t- thought that Trey Lance might be able to be the guy. And uh, what it, it just kind of happened the more they put onto his plate, things leveled off and here we are. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes and whether it's just going to be Darnold and Lance or if it's going to be Darnold, Lance, and Purdy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be fun. And I do agree with you in that there is a there is a hierarchy here. It's, you know, it's Lance. If it's just Lance and, and Darnold, they go into training camp with the hierarchy being Lance and then Darnold. That's the way it always works. That's not like they go into training camp like this. They can be like this and still be competing for this guy to try to jump them. Uh, so it, it's going to be fun to, to watch play out. Uh, can I just hit on something real quick on one of the comments? You don't even have to pull it up. Which one? You don't have to pull it up, but it was a, a um, there was a there was a comment by uh, Blind Tom, and he was saying that he was going to give me a super chat, and he couldn't because it's it's not working. Uh, I'm just going to I'll mention it yesterday on my stream. I'll mention it now. My channel got demonetized over the weekend, um, or so for I'm not exactly sure what it is. So I'm working on that. So it's probably going to be about a 30 day period without me being able to have monetization on on my channel, but uh, that's okay. My big thing right now is over these next 30 days to kind of rebuild the channel, 
looking at doing some some rebooting of some of the things I'm doing. You might see a totally different channel for Inside the Farms with Jack Hammer uh, moving forward uh, over these next few weeks. So I want to say thanks to everybody that continues to support the channel, support me. Uh, we're, we'll make it through the, the 30 days and come back stronger than we were before. That's what you do, right? Exactly. That's, hey, the 40, the 40 hours, we talk about 40 hour free agency. One of the things that, that uh, you, you talk about here is uh, Javon Hargraves, just to kind of get off the quarterback situation yeah. for a second. You know, talk about Javon Hargraves, and I put it out there myself, and other people have too. Why not just stick with with uh, with Buckner, with the Forrest Buckner? You know, and again, the numbers they could have done it. the The thing here is they they realize that they screwed up, and they've made the choices necessary to fix it. I think it's an interesting topic, right? I, I do think that it is a little easier now understanding that we're in the post-COVID era where, you know, um, there's that extra 40, 45 million in cap. And you're right. I do think that they understand their mistake. But what, from what I've heard in those negotiations, it was a little tougher in that um, uh, there were some things that he wanted that Hargrave essentially didn't want, such as he didn't want an out clause uh, in, in the deal the 49ers did. He ended up giving one to the Indianapolis Colts anyway, and it, it's unfortunate. And I mean, you heard from Buckner himself saying that's essentially the contract they gave me, which is true. Four year, eighty four. Buckner gets, I think, four more million guaranteed to, uh, total, so it, or it guaranteed at signing total. So it wasn't like that big of a difference. And so to me, I do think that it's a, it is a, in a way a trip down memory lane. But at the time. I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't mind the move as much. Now, did I, I, I didn't mind the move. I just didn't like the pick of Javon Kinlaw. Uh, that, that was kind of my take on that situation. I wasn't a huge fan of Javon Kinlaw's pick at the draft because of the medical issues, but also I thought that there were better options. I would have gone with Tristan Wirfs or one of the receivers or cornerback at that pick or even traded down. Unfortunately, didn't happen. But 49ers now get a, a 30-year-old. Obviously, Buckner was way younger at the time and is still younger. They get a 30-year-old here who is coming off a really good season, a uh, four-year, $84 million deal. Yeah, well, real quick on the on the, on the the DeForest Buckner thing. We asked DeForest Buckner back in October of 2021 when the Farners played the Colts if he was offered four years and $84 million. That question was asked. I had talked to the reporter that asked the question prior to the press conference that we need to make sure we asked that question. He asked him exactly that way. And DeForest Buckner said, no, mm -hmm. he was not offered yeah. that. So he was never offered the contract that Javon Hargrave, Javon Hargrave got. Javon Hargrave got $40 million guaranteed at signing. DeForest Buckner got $39.3 million guaranteed at signing. Mm -hmm. The money for the money that the foreigner spent is all more. I get that, you know, there's, there's whatever there's in, inflation as they go through. People have tried to use inflation and all that kind of stuff to explain uh, the difference between these two guys and their contracts. I'll say this, the difference between having DeForest Buckner and T Higgins as your wide receiver, having those be your guys moving in, in this year or back in 2020, uh, or instead of having Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk was $3.1 million in salary cap space. $3.1 million in cat space, you can make up that difference by talking to some of your veterans if you want to keep the guy. The 49ers felt like they could pull off a quick a quick one on the NFL, trade, get a young guy, and then get, you know, what, you know, they thought they could just flop a guy that was a, a fringe all pro who became an all pro the next year. Uh, and it just didn't work out. They, they, they tried to do it. It didn't work out. And now they're going to pay more. And Hey, it works out for the 49ers. Uh, again, I, this has nothing negative against Javon Hargrave. I, I think it's a tremendous signing. He's a great player. It just would have been nice to have it on the 49ers for the last three years because you can say that the 49ers wouldn't have been better. Might not have, you know, difference. The games might have not turned out differently if you had DeForest Buckner instead of uh, dealing with the, everything you dealt with with Javon Kinlaw. Um, but I think that defense in 2021 is much better against the Rams down in Los Angeles with the, the with better interior play, maybe even a little bit in 2022. And maybe instead of playing on the road in the NFC championship game, they're playing that game at home. Who knows? There's all kinds of things that play into it. 
No, I mean, you're right. I mean, when, I, I do agree with you that it is an admission in a way or a concession that they probably should have given the contract to Buckner. I mean, they they also understand you 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 do want the two elite interior guys. I think that that's important. That's something I've yes. uh, I've clamored for this entire offseason. Um, I'm actually glad that they didn't go get Deron Payne. I thought his contract was an overpay for who he is as a player at the moment. I, I think this mm-hmm. deal for Hargrave is fine because it's mm-hmm. a two-year deal. Um, they could keep him for three years. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, if it ends up being stretched. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply a three-year deal but it's like a two-year deal at the moment and so i don't mind the deal for hargrave because again you're pushing your chips all in and it's going to be at a reasonable price for the next two years um surprised hargrave didn't get more guaranteed money elsewhere but it's a strong deal for the 49ers it's a good deal for hargrave to to now come to this team and it's again you now get those two pieces on the interior but it also adds to the versatility because with Javon Hargrave on the inside, if you're comfortable with one of your other defensive tackles like Akalia Davis on early downs, you can kick Armstead out to the outside on early downs uh, or even even if you want on later downs. Um, but you could kick him as a, as a bigger run defending edge because he's a good run defender. And you could have different, different lineups because before it's a lot of kicking outside in because you have a lot more, uh, you have an abundance of edge rushers, not as many talented guys on the interior. Now you've got the talent on the interior with two really good interior players. Yeah, that's the thing that uh, you really like about this is that Hargrave has that ability to play different spots across the line. He He's a proven uh, pass rusher in terms of either sacks or just pressures overall. He's going to take pressure off of – he should help out both Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa and maybe even Drake Jackson on the other side because now you've got two really good guys in the middle between him and Eric Armstead if Armstead can stay healthy. You know, and the other part to like about Javon Hargrave here is that he's he's played over 700 snaps the last two years. Correct. Uh, and you know, prior to last year with the injury for uh, issue that Eric Armstead had early on, he'd been on that path as well. And the same thing with Nick Bosa the last couple of years. So you have three guys at least across that that defensive line right now that can play almost 70 to 75 percent of the snaps. That's a lot more than what they had last year, and it allows you to to have your depth maybe not have it to be. You're, they have really good depth. You look at the way this line's already set up. Um, one one defensive edge is really all they're looking for. Uh, I, I think Javon, Javon Hargrave and what they what they brought in here is is an increase, and he makes their defensive line today is better than their defensive line at the end of the season. I, I think so too. That and I think that leads to a point of are the 49ers better uh, right now, or, or sorry, are the 49ers better in twenty twenty three? in 2022 and we can start there with the defensive line because when you look at where the 49ers were at the end of the year right they're starting 
Ebukam, they're starting uh, Bosa, they're starting Buckner, oh, not Buckner, sorry, Armstead, and then they're starting Javon Kinlaw. Hargrave is a clear upgrade over Javon Kinlaw, and I think the 49ers right now, the fourth starter would be Drake Jackson, but they have, I, I think, the, just the, the the ability to have three really elite every-down players, I think, trumps what the 49ers had with their rotation. And it's also an understanding of when you look back to 2019, they had every-down players at all four starting positions. That played a huge role into their going to the Super Bowl. Last year, their defensive line was good, and the rotational players filled their role. It's just that role is much different than being an every-down or a three-down player. It also provides you more versatility because I'm not going to say the 49ers were telling their hand, but you're also not necessarily because you've got guys that can play against the run and the pass at a high level. And I think that that's important. The 49ers also understand that. And that's what's shown here with this Hargrave signing. Yeah. The Hargrave right now that they have, if everybody plays to exactly the same level that they played last year, they they've increased their number of sacks. They get Javon, Javon Hargrave had 10 sacks last year in the regular season, I believe was the number that's five more than you had from, um, uh, Samson Ebicom over there talking about the starting defensive line again. And then Drake Jackson had three. So you, you've, you've actually picked up three sacks along that defensive line. So they're, they're better off there. I, I'd look at I do think they need to add one more edge. I know right now, if you pencil, if you're looking at their depth chart, you'd pencil in Alex Barrett off of the practice squad from last year as, as being the fourth right. edge. So they need, I think they need to find an edge, whether it's in the draft or maybe still in free agency. I'd, Again, I still really want to see – I still – I don't know if he's still out there because I haven't been checking Twitter in the last couple hours. But, you know, if, if Yannick Ngakwe is out there yeah, and Ngakwe, you can get he is, him, yeah. if you can get him, that is a major add for this defense because it's a free agent, so you're not giving up draft picks. And you can probably st- structure it on a two- to three-year deal where, you know, if he comes in and he's not very good this year, you can move on from him. Uh, it's, it's, it's different than the deal – it's, they're not looking to spend as much money even on that as they did with um, the uh, D Ford deal, right? It's not even close to one of those. And if you can get a, a unique Ngakwe, then you're you're pushing that defensive line into a whole nother level that we I don't think we've seen from the 49ers here now. You know, in the last six years, I think it's even better than that. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Ngakwe would be a great in terms of player who you know is very capable against the pass. I do wonder that with the rotation, if they'd play somebody else on base downs a little more, but uh, given Ngakwe isn't the best necessarily against the run, but he'd be a solid pass rusher. Uh, and right now he is the top edge on the market. Let's see what his market uh, exactly would be. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after him, maybe even Leonard Floyd, because Leonard Floyd being, he got released would it count against the compensatory formula, which could help the 49ers, obviously them being a, a huge proponent of those compensatory picks, but wouldn't be surprised. I do think that they, the 49ers will go after one more edge. I don't know the exact high caliber of that edge. It could be a player just like Jordan Willis, another rotational guy, but they have a good core of defensive linemen right now in that they have five, five defensive tackles. In Armstead, Hargrave, they've got Kinlaw, they re-signed Kevin Givens, and then they've got Kalia Davis. I think that they are comfortable with those five um, going into next year. And then at Edge right now, they only have Bosa, they have um, Cleveland Farrell, and then they have Drake Jackson. Those are the three I think they feel comfortable with. That's eight. I'd expect them to get two more defensive linemen. Wouldn't be surprised if one comes, one more comes in free agency with the amount of depth in this class, which means you could likely get value there in the class. But also one more in the draft that ends up getting you 10 uh, that you could roll with in the, in the regular season. So I do think they're, they're, they're going to get one more player. Don't know though, if it'd be as uh, as high of a caliber as Ngakwe, but I mean, it would be a good signing for sure. Certainly indicates that they would, they are going even more in uh, this year. You just skipped right. You just skipped right on over T.Y. McGill. Poor T.Y. McGill. He doesn't get any go. love on this. T.Y. McGill. I forgot he resigned as well yesterday. From so there. I mean, Rohan. you got a you got another player, and I gotta give a shout out to T.Y. McGill because T.Y. McGill was really darn solid at the end of the year. So really, really solid player there. Yeah, he was a guy that was was brought in late, and uh, he made some big plays in a goal line stand. It was against Washington. I, I made a mistake yesterday, and somebody pointed out that it was the Washington game, which that which that, that's what it was. And uh, he's a guy who's bounced around. He's talking about journeyman. He's been a journeyman, uh, but he's he's a solid player there. And we'll see what happens. Like you you mentioned, Jordan Willis. That's a that's a really good secondary 
second line uh, defensive end right there that can play inside outside gives you special teams versatility right. so that's probably more along the lines of what they would do there because you do want to have you get, those guys have to be able to do more than just one thing and Gakwe is only going to play defense for you so maybe a guy like Jordan Willis is what you know at the end of the day probably makes a lot more sense than us just throwing names at, about guys that we are uh, dreaming about right. you know and uh, I mean I agree I, I do agree there and I, I, I see a nice comment here from Wayne Jr. He says the defensive line is better. The secondary is worse. And I do want to ask you the question right now. Do you think the 49ers are better in 2023? Yeah, I think that, well, I'll tell you this, the 49ers starting defense overall is better today than they were in the NFC championship game. This is a better defense. They are, we talked about already. They are better up front because of the addition of Javon Hargrave and they're better in the secondary because I think Isaiah Oliver is a better cover nickel slot cornerback than Jimmy Ward. I think they are better uh, right now for that. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, I know a lot of people are focusing on the loss of, they, they, to say they're worse, that the, the secondary is worse. They've only lost one guy out of the secondary, uh, and that's that's Jimmy Ward. I mean, Emmanuel Mosley played five games last year, so uh, the majority of that team wasn't Emmanuel Mosley. It was, it was the defense that we have together minus Jimmy Ward. They, they got a really good group there. I, I agree. I think that this is an interesting team right now. I don't know if I'll claim that they're better. Uh, I mean, they're better than they were at the end of the year. That's for sure. Uh, if you can make an argument that they might not be at the beginning of the year, given how well Mosley played. And it, mm -hmm. it is unfortunate that they lose Mosley one year, $6 million. While I would have made a push to sign him, and I think he would have come back if it was a similar deal, I don't know. I, I can understand why the 49ers go elsewhere. Because right now, what do they do? They, they re-sign Oliver. Who or they sign Oliver, who is probably three to four million dollars. I think it's three and a half million dollars cheaper. Uh, and I think it was a two year deal. So, uh, the structure might be it might be even a little more cheaper, uh, this year. But you get a cheaper option there, which likely gets you another player or two that you can impact, uh, add as impact players on this team. But I can understand why because you, you do like the, uh, the progress that Lenore made, and you can't necessarily guarantee Emmanuel Mosley a starting job after what Lenore did on the outside. Was Lenore an, an elite player? No. But do you want to stunt his development if you believe he can be an outside corner? I don't necessarily think you, 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 you want to make that guarantee. And so I think it's understandable. I think I think Emmanuel Mosley's Rio that I just named, but I can understand why the 49ers do what they did. And the defensive line is definitely better, uh, regardless of whether you think at the beginning or the end of the season. The defensive line is definitely better with Javon Hargrave there. Um, you do lose Amenahue and Ebucom, but again, mm -hmm. uh, they were rotational players for the 49ers. I think Omenahue is the bigger loss in terms of his pass rushing talent. But you do hope that Drake Jackson can make the second step. I think this is a – right now they have confidence in him. Lynch said it at the Combine. You do have confidence in him. If he can become a three-down player, that's really good. But if he's just an edge rusher, then if he can produce in a way similar to Drake Jackson, get a little stronger while also being um, more fit towards the entirety of the year, I think that it, it does help for the 49ers. And so to me, I don't think that you can necessarily claim – uh, I, I think you can make a claim on both sides, uh, depending on where you're looking at the 49ers. But I do think that what they've done this offseason is a good way for them to build a roster with the losses that they've had. Yeah, and I think the I think the reason that they didn't match the deal with Emmanuel Mosley is, you know, it's one thing to do that with a guy like Jason Verrett for a couple million dollars. It's another thing to do that with for six. You know, that's... Correct. Emmanuel Mosley has been a, was a very 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 good cornerback when he was healthy, and I, that last part can't be you know overemphasized enough. The if one healthy part because he missed so many games, uh, and, and I think that's one of the reasons that you you don't spend that kind of money on on that player is if he's not going to be healthy all the time. Six million dollars for a rotational guy in the secondary that's a lot of money, and and so that's why I think they went in a different direction there. Again, Jim, Emmanuel Mosley is a heck of a player. I drafted for agent, great find, uh, but you can't stay on the field. Uh, it's a problem, and that kind of goes along the same lines with with our discussion earlier with the quarterback situation. No, I agree, and I mean, uh, it, it is tough, and I'm actually happy for Emmanuel Mosley for this move because I, mm -hmm. I think that he can prove that he is a cornerback one in the NFL, and this is the perfect opportunity to do so. It's a bet on himself because 
He's now going to be the cornerback one in Detroit on a, on an ascending team that could rely on its defense a good amount more because the defense was atrocious last year. If you get a better defense and even average defense, that's going to set mostly up for a really good payday next offseason after he proves that he can play at the level that he played this year. And so I'm definitely happy for Mosley on that end. But you talk about Oliver. He's an interesting signing for sure. He's a, a nickelback. And I, I think that a lot of people are questioning the signing because he was a second round pick and didn't live up to expectations early in his career. But I think he's found a he's found a better footing the last two seasons as a nickel corner rather than playing on the outside where he did earlier on in his career. He's a good run fit guy, which the 49ers clearly uh, have a uh, an affinity for. And then he's also, a, I mean, he's a pretty solid player in coverage. He's not going to be an elite player, but I think he's a good fit for this team. Yeah, that's that's 100. He, you know, call you know, University of Colorado dude played with a Keller Witherspoon, a guy the Friars drafted in the second round uh, there before he came out. Uh, struggled in his first two seasons playing on the outside in Atlanta. They moved him inside in 2020. Immediately played better. 2021 tears up his knee four weeks in and he's out. Uh, he comes back last year uh, after week five, uh, playing inside almost exclusively. Uh, plays at a much higher level. Allows a pass rate of about 72 point something. Uh, no touchdowns, one interception. You just look at you look at his number from the slot last season. Uh, plays at a very high level. There's a lot to like there, and he has really good movement. And as long as his you know as long as he stays healthy, which hasn't I don't think has been an issue other than the, the one year, uh, the Foreigners are going to be in a really good spot. I agree. I agree. And I mean, I think that if this is a two year deal, you have a guy who can compete. Again, competition is very important. You have a guy who can compete with Samuel Womack now. I think he's the favorite to start, and I think it, it provides Womack uh, an opportunity, but also you have the inside-outside flexibility with Oliver. He uh, is better in the nickel, but you can play him on the outside, and they did the same thing with Lenore, and this helps because you understand San Francisco has had cornerback injuries, especially in games at times. Ward has, uh, I think he was, he was in and out of games a few times last year. What does that mean? You can then just slide a guy out or you can put Womack out and you can have a guy in the nickel. You have guys, four, three guys pretty much in Lenore, Womack, and now Oliver, who you believe can be capable of playing inside and outside. I think that that helps um, with uh, overcoming some of the issues that you might have when injuries uh, tend to come up. And it, it, I mean, it provides you another better option here in the nickel for potentially the next two years. I like the multi-year option that the 49ers are, are, are doing. It, even if it's only necessarily a one-year deal in terms of guarantees, I do like the option of having a, a younger guy and a young and improving guy under Steve Wilkes for the next two years. Yeah, it's it, you know you, you mentioned Sam Womack, and that's a good name because Sam Womack was good enough to start at corner at slot, right, out of mm -hmm. training camp last year. He won the job. And, you know, whatever happened there, they, 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 they moved off of him during the season. And, he, you know, he's going to come back for year two. And, and he's a guy like you just mentioned with Isaiah Oliver. He has that inside-outside capability. He might be a better outside corner than he is in the slot. Uh, so they have, a, they have a good amount of depth. They, that's one of the things. If we're looking at this free, at free agency overall, we haven't even talked about the offense hardly at all as in the quarterback. But if yeah. you look at what they've done in free agency, they plugged all their holes, Right. Holes are all plugged right now. There's after day one, the hole was I felt was was in the slot because Jimmy Ward was the one guy that they hadn't filled. They'd already filled the defensive line. They were fine along the offensive line. They needed to fill in the slot. They did that the next day with Isaiah Oliver, right now and now. And then they they got the deal done with Jake Brendel. So you're feeling really good. They got Colton McKivitz tied in at right tackle. He's going to be okay. And there's I don't expect him to be, you know, a starter for the next five years. But he may be the starter, may not. We know that the Fournieres can win. And get to the get to the NFC Championship game with a guy who probably about that same level as a Colton McKivitz. right? So, you know they they've plugged all their holes, and now you're looking at filling in depth through free agents. Maybe one more name guy comes in comes in, and you get into the draft and you start adding that depth behind those guys that you know you're you're adding the depth behind those one year free agent guys that you brought in because those are the guys that are going to take over for you to, you know, in uh, year two of their career, not necessarily next year. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. And I mean, you talked about Colton McKivitz and I think it's a good way to pivot because we haven't talked about Mike McClinchy, who was the biggest 49ers loss in terms of money this offseason. signed a five year, $87.5 million deal with 50 million plus in guarantees with the Broncos. There was no way the 49ers are going to match that deal. Uh, I mean, if, if it was maybe the 12 million, they might have considered it, but still 
was clear that both sides were going to go to a uh, to an end. And now 49ers, they are with Colt McKivitz. What do you think the plan is at right tackle? Do you think that they stick with McKivitz? Do you think that with the way that his contract was, not necessarily the, the most expensive deal, they try and go and get a guy in the draft, trade up? How do you feel about right tackle right now? I think when you when you look at right tackle, uh, first off, on McGlinchey, it's great that he got the deal that he got. I thought prior to 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 uh, for agency that if the 49ers wanted to bring him back and wanted to make it a big piece of their re-signing that they could because he wasn't going to cost as much as he did last year. He was $10.88 million in this last year of his contract with the 49ers. It, that's correct. He's 6 point, what, 6 point one, six point something million is his cap hit with the Broncos this year. Great. He got cashed out. I think he's he got what he deserves in terms of his level of play, and that's good for him. I think as far as the 49ers go, you know, they chose they chose to continue to build on the on the defensive line like they do, and, and that was good for them there. Um, did you ask me about McKivitz? I sorry, I was looking at the the comment guys are some of them are getting goofy over there. Yeah, um, McKivitz. But in terms of McKivitz, I think I think what they do at right tackle is is you have McKivitz as your is your guy. He's a guy that knows the system. He's a guy you feel that you could win some games with if you need to. Secondly, you can go and um they're gonna. I think they're gonna get a guy in the draft. I think that's yeah. a really good spot. You know, there's the the tackle out of BYU. I know is one that a lot of, of folks around the 49ers community are really high on. I am too. It was one of those names I pointed out prior to the to the scouting combine to keep an eye on, and uh, I'm glad to see everybody else kind of jumping on board with that as well. Um, I don't have all the film and stuff to show it, but just you look at his numbers from the combine, you look at his numbers um, from from the season and all that kind of stuff, uh, and where he was kind of rated. He's one of those guys that you can probably get mid third. Be perfect spot for the 49ers to get a guy down the road. I mean, you know, you look at this offensive line, they got a starting right guard in round five last year. Right. And I mean, I, I think that you you outline it well. Um, when you look at McKivitz's deal, it doesn't necessarily indicate that they believe he's the future of the position, which I don't think many people understand, but um, it's a one year deal. He's uh, he's got a cap hit of one point five million this year which isn't high, but it also indicates, I mean, he's going to be here this year, likely, um, given the way that his contract is structured. He's going to be here, but I don't know if he's going to be the starter. Now, they, the 49ers, I think, are approaching this situation, understanding where they are with the cap. They're not going, they weren't going to be able to retain McGlinchey. They have a guy who they have developed into a tackle over the last few seasons in McKivitz, who a 2020 fifth round pick. They developed him now into a tackle who they believe can start probably. He'd be a low end starter. He wouldn't be uh, anything necessarily uh, like he, I don't think he'd be a top 10 tackle or anything like that, but I think that they believe he can start. However, I do think that the, the priority is still to address that right tackle position in the draft because, like I said, this is a one-year contract essentially for the 49ers. They can cut him next year with a 500K dead cap hit. Even if it's a two-year deal, they might view McKivitz as a swing tackle like they did last offseason who can plug and play, understanding uh, his familiarity with the system, can plug and play at either left or right tackle. And so I think it's an integral uh, move to go ahead and figure out who the right tackle of the future is going to be. Blake Freeland's a guy who you just talked about, the BYU guy. Um, mm -hmm. He's a guy who you might find in the early to mid-third round if you want to trade up. Maybe is there potentially at 93. I think um, some other guys who might be there, there's the Oregon right tackle. Or sorry, he played right guard last year. It's got a long name, so I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Solid <laughs> player there. Um, uh, that I think that he could he could potentially be um, in that situation. Me and Marco were talking about him, uh, and I mean, if you want to trade up the top six tackles, I, I know there's a drop off probably after the top six, but those top six tackles, if one of them are there in the mid to late second round, uh, if the 49ers believe they have enough capital and are willing to make the move, understanding that they have 11 draft picks, you go ahead and make it. I think so. There are a lot of options. The 49ers have the flexibility, but they've got an option right now. Doesn't mean he's going to be the option come week one, but they've got an option who they believe in right now is how I view the situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Everything you just said right there is kind of what it's. I'm, I'm, I'm there. The McKivitz is your is your right now, and you're going to get a guy for down the road. Yeah, I agree, and I think that that answers the question about people asking, do we draft right tackle? I do think that they draft right yeah. tackle. I think they could have last offseason. Maybe maybe they are thinking about it again. Um, I saw a tweet from Brad Graham earlier today how 
Um, they could, Abe Lucas would have been a guy who uh, they could have gone after in the second round. And I think, I mean, when you look at it from that perspective of where the 49ers have looked to draft early on to fill positions, they could have potentially gone after that uh, position last offseason, groomed a guy and ended up having him be the starter. Of course, it isn't the case. So I think they look to address the tackle for sure this offseason. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna it's they're not done. They're not done. They're gonna get somebody there. I really like to make up the offensive line. You're bringing it's gonna be uh think about where we are now compared to a year ago at this time. A year ago at this time, you didn't know who the center was gonna be. You didn't know if the left guard was gonna be worth the darn. You didn't know who the right guard was gonna be. It was gonna be Brunskill or who was that gonna be? You right. weren't sure if Mike McGlinchey was gonna be healthy because he was coming off of a torn uh torn ligament. Whatever which one was it, the torn quad ligament. So you weren't sure, or tendon, excuse me, you weren't even sure if he was gonna be able to, to come back. And now flip the page forward a year and you have four fifths of your offensive line coming back your center, take whatever you want to say about the center. The guy in his first season as a full-time starter was named to the pro bowl alternate in year one. He's coming back and it's, it's, it's safe to assume. I think that that group is going to be better because they're all played together. And uh, I know Spencer Burford didn't play all the downs last year because they rotated him with uh, Daniel Brunskill, but I think that was by design as well. But the guy rotate himself in, and now he knows what to expect when he goes into his first year as a full-time starter. Yeah, no, I do agree there. I do agree there. And, I mean, 49ers, I, I like what they've done this offseason so far in that they've made moves to fortify the roster, but they also haven't dipped too far in the restructure pool to where they might be screwed later on. I don't think that, like, they haven't touched Trent Williams' deal, a guy who's pondered retirement. Uh, they've already uh, done George, George Kittles before and Ark Armstead's before, haven't gone with those deals. Remember, they still are – Christian McCaffrey is likely to have some uh, change in his contract given he has no guaranteed money over the next three years. There's likely mm -hmm. going to be some move there, um, especially given the respect between the McCaffreys and the Shanahans. I think that there's going to be the move there. And then obviously the big news is Nick Bosa. Uh, who knows when that extension gets done, but that extension should clear up some money for the 49ers as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and the, I, I said this before for agency, like the days ahead of time, there was just a lot of chatter about uh, how like the Friday before for agency might be a big day to see restructures for the 49ers. And I kind of came out and said, I no. don't expect to see restructures right now. The 49ers are, are over are under the salary cap. They can go through the first two days of the the first two days of free agency, you know, because you're not actually signing anything at that time. They can go through Monday and Tuesday without having to make any changes to their salary cap because mm -hmm. deals don't become official until Wednesday. And that's kind of how we saw it play out. And they've done a good job now. You're right. There, McCaffrey would be an easy one to go to. I would say McCaffrey. I say still believe that Kittle and. Uh, uh, Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, those are your four guys that you would go to if you wanted to restructure contracts if you needed some money. The bet, the longer they have, they have to wait to do that, the better because you, you know, kicking money down the road, you're always going to pay it at some point. But right, let's not do it if you don't have to right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you you phrased it well in that you didn't expect it to happen early. The 49ers were going to go into this offseason with the or into free agency in the tampering period understanding where they were with other free agents, who they could sign. And then once those, once those, cause you get the two days where it's not going to be official. Once they figured out who exactly they were going to sign, then you make the corresponding moves to get under the cap because that's a, uh, like that's the analysis of where you are in your free agency kind of, because like you said, Jack, you don't want to kick money down the road. If you don't need to kick money down the road, it's only when you need to. So there's no reason to create 30 million in cap space and then not use the 30 million, obviously you can carry over, but not use the 30 million there. You, 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 they did it as a corresponding move. I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, so far I think free agency for the farmers has gone very well. I think the team is, is is really in a good spot right now. When you look at you look at the number of players on the team, the number that they have left to add, I think it's only like 23 more spots to be at 90, I think is the number, or maybe 27. I don't know exactly what the number is right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's closer to 23, though. And so I they don't necessarily, you know, they have 11 draft picks. How many are they gonna how many are they gonna bring in? And you know, then they also have undrafted for agents that you're bringing after the draft. So you start to look at this roster right now, they're not gonna build it all the way out to 90 before um before the draft starts. So uh, right. there's not there's not a lot of moves to be made. And you look at the way this roster is situated and they got some really good depth pieces along 
along the def on the defensive side, especially shoot the linebackers. I mean, they're they're super deep at linebacker. I think you know you want to add some more some more guys to the secondary for depth. They have some guys on the practice squad that I think they like there too. There's some guys on the practice squad for the offensive line as well. Uh, I, I just think they're in a really good spot. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Like I said, yeah. I just can't. I just can't wait till we get out there on and at it's minicamp. It's there, man. We got a couple months draft. No, nah, yeah. As soon as the drafters are with, I want to see them roll the ball out there, and I want to see they're going to draft a quarterback here too, or they're going to sign one right after the draft because otherwise yeah. they don't have a, a quarterback for rookie minicamp, and <laughs> that's not going to happen. But I'm just looking forward to seeing that this team start to get put together because I, I you look at kind of what they've done already, and it's a, and it's it's an exciting team, especially when you compare it to what's going on with the rest of the NFC. No, 100%, 100%. But, Jack, that I think that's a good way to end today's show. Very fun time. We talked about the 49ers quarterback situation. If you guys missed that, go on earlier in the show. Talked about the free agents. We talked about the 49ers, where they are now, and why it's not really a time to panic. Any last thoughts before we head on out? No, I just want to just, you know, I, I agree with you, and I just want to say thanks to everybody over in the comment section who oh, tuned yeah. in. I do have to say, I think I think Rohan and I got to be a little bit better about moderating the comment section. I know there's a couple of folks over there who uh, have been just going after each other the whole time, and then there's some folks that aren't liking that. So we just need to, you know, whatever. The 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 com the our comment section, Rohan, has turned into uh, Lance versus versus uh, uh, the world. Donald? Yeah, Darnold, Lance versus Purdy. Guys, um, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite my tongue before I repeat what I, what I had to delete off of Twitter the other day. Yeah, we will moderate that better next time. But all of you guys that did contribute to our talk today, we really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for your guys's contributions, Jack. As always, I appreciate you. And guys, we'll be back next Friday with another fun show. So stay tuned. Keep it locked in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.